Welcome to Try Not to Overthink It. I'm RJ. I'm Unique. And I'm Khalil. Every day, just like you, we try to make sense of this crazy thing that we call life. As peers in the healthcare profession, we find ourselves discussing and debating many different topics. After many heated debates, we decided to both expand upon these topics and give our viewpoints to you as licensed social workers and therapists. If this is your first time here, we'd like to thank you for checking us out, and we hope that you'll stay and become part of the tribe and participate in the conversations with us. So today we are gonna be talking about overcoming domestic violence. In the past few years, we've witnessed and had discussions on domestic violence and intimate partner violence, as well as seen some cases play out in public. Some of the more notable ones um, have illuminated how big of an issue this has become in today's society. However, as a person who has been exposed to any kind of abuse or violence, um, they are the only ones that know the real impact that it has on them both physically and mentally. Today, we're gonna to be joined by a guest who through sharing her, her own experience can help, uh, help us in unpacking this topic and hopefully get some, um, hopefully be able to help some of our listeners who may be going through something similar. So today we are joined by Aja. So Aja is uh, our guest today and she's gonna be sharing us uh, her experience. Um, and from there, we'll kind of unpack the topic and, and see, and, and just kind of expand on, expand on the conversation. So Ms. Aja, I'll turn the floor over to you um, for you to tell us your story. Hello, everyone. Um, I've been out of my domestic violence relationship. Well, I guess I've been a survivor for the last three years. Um, I met, my, I guess you can call him my abuser, uh, in 2019, it started out perfect. And now we're here. Um, and I just want to kind of shed light on a lot of people think that when it comes to domestic violence, it's so easy to leave. It's so easy just to say, I'll never go through that. And I've been one to say that before, but you don't know until you're in that situation. Um, so just by telling my story, hopefully I can save a life, impact someone, or just help someone in some type of way to avoid it or get through it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the first question. So a lot of people are unaware of what emotional abuse is in a relationship and find it hard to understand that they're being abused. From your experience, why do you think that is? Um... One, because you trust the person that you're with. You've built this rapport with them mm -hmm. and it's really subtle. You know, it starts off really, really small and then it kind of blows up. So for me, sometimes when things would happen, I would really question myself, like, did that really just happen? Because you're kind of like in shock, you know, is this person really being abusive and my tripping, you know, it's a lot of um, mental and manipulation when it comes to emotional abuse. But um, yeah, it's really subtle. You 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 don't see it until you're in it. I, I think that uh, something that you just said um, was very important. Um, a lot of times you don't know that you're in it until you're in it. And I think that for for a lot of people, um, both men and women, we don't necessarily understand that the situation or the relationship that we're currently in is not a good one while we're in it. It is not until you are going through whatever you're going through or until you make it to the other side that you recognize 
what type of relationship that you were in. Because like when most of us think of, um, when we think of abuse, we think of just like the physical piece. Um, we think of, you know, the hitting, the pushing, the grabbing, or the controlling pieces. We don't think of like emotional abuse. We don't think of the spiritual abuse. We don't think of the mental abuse. Like we don't think of the, the, the non, you know, the things that you can't see or the things that you can't mm -hmm. touch. And I think that yeah. for a lot of us, like when we like unpack relationships, especially like if you go over like past relationships, you know, one, you know, there have been maybe one or two of them where they probably were abusive or they probably were, you know, uh, uh, a maladaptive relationship. If you, you start to unpack things, how do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Um, I, I think I tuned my headphones went out for a second, but just hearing the tale and of what you guys were saying, um, one abuse doesn't have a look, mm -hmm. even an abuser, they don't have a look, you know, there's yeah. not, Oh, that person's an abuser or they're going to do this to me. Um, and I think sometimes people always think you're going to see red flags. Well, you should have saw the spirings. You should have saw the red flags. But a, a master manipulator, that's their job right. to disguise, to um, make you think you're getting one thing. And when you are in it and you're committed and they see that, it's kind of like a light switch goes down. And once you're in there, you're trapped. Oh, yeah. And um, so I don't think that you always know. Um, and I, I will honestly say an abuser preys on the person who has it all together because usually they don't. So you get caught up because you're a good person. You're a giver. You are somebody who has it all together. And you're like, oh, no, I'm just helping them out. And at first you're thinking it's just help. It's just you giving and you, you showing up and you're being a good human and then you start to question who you really are and did they misunderstand me and did I did I say the wrong thing? Well, maybe it was me because I'm a good person so maybe maybe I was just a little spicy today <laughs> and before you know it you're then their true person their true persona comes out and you get to see the beast for what it really is and it doesn't always it's not always physical it's not always verbal or emotional sometimes they were holding money they're telling you which friends to hang out with it's the the little manipulations that turn big and then before you know it they're like you don't love me i'm going to commit suicide um mm -hmm. if you try to break up with me right um and so it's this deep mental abuse that they're putting on you where you can damned if you stay damned if you leave them almost yeah yeah right. So unique, you were mentioning kind of that uh, mental abuse, the emotional abuse um, before we even get to the physical. Sometimes it starts in that um, area. The funniest thing is for me uh, uh, as a social worker and I, of course, you go to school, they start giving you these statistics and then you start working with clients. Um, when I worked at the mental health center who were victims of abuse and you start seeing some of these patterns. So, Aja, I'm going to ask you. Um, and, and one of the statistics uh, that we know is usually uh, people who have been a part of domestic violence, um, some form or another in their past have been in other relationships that were very similar or toxic, even if it was with their family. Did you have anything like that uh, previously? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, 
after I, I, I will say with this particular relationship, it was on a greater scale. Mm-hmm. But after being in this relationship, I can I reflected and I was like, okay, I've been in some other abusive relationships. It wasn't to this extreme, you right. know. It was with some family members, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with some friends, you know. Um, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely. Right. And now I, of course, I'm still in therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. dealing with this, because I question my decision making now, because once I see a glimpse of what I went through in a person, I'm cutting it off, you know, and I want to give people chances. But, hey, the last time I gave somebody a chance, I was kind of abused. So don't right. want to put myself back in that situation. So it, it still takes a lot of work. Um, just to make sure that I don't end up in toxic friendships, to make sure that I don't end up in another toxic relationship. Um, yeah, but yeah, family, family situations, friendships. Absolutely. Right. Um, Aja, I don't want to jump uh, out of our loops because we have our little question loops that we use and, and, and stuff like I don't want to jump out of loop. But I, I do want to say that what you mentioned, I think a lot of people um, kind of leave or neglect. Friends can do this to you as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not just intimate, um, you know, partners or, or, or spouses. This could be an intimate relationship with a friend or family member. Um, and you'll be stuck in an abusive relationship. And a lot of people take that for granted. That does happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People will take advantage of you. People will mistreat you and you'll think it's okay because, oh, well, that's my friend and that's how we do that. Yeah. But that's not proper. That's not a proper relationship. It's unhealthy. And we have to kind of, uh, I think, out people because um, some people are under the assumption that, well, because they're my friend and it's not my girlfriend or boyfriend, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries are so important. And I never understood that before. Um, Uh I I never really understood boundaries before. Like I've always been on a self-love journey, Uh but that self-love journey, it, it, it was so much deeper than my physical appearance. It was so much more than what others could see. And it wasn't until that relationship, um, that I was like, I and I just told my son this the other day, you tell people, you show people how to treat you mm-hmm. by boundaries. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. And if you don't set boundaries for yourself, can you truly say that you love yourself? Because mm-hmm. basically you're oh, allowing yeah. people to treat you any kind of way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. friends, family. And I've gotten to the point to where I don't care who you are. I will cut you off in a minute because I'm not about, I've done so much work for my mental health over the last three years that I'm not letting anybody or anyone make me go backward, you know? So, yeah. I think it's interesting that you talk about boundaries um, in alignment with the healing. That's one of our questions. Like, what did you do to recover from the mental effects 
that the abuse caused you and we talked about therapy and one of the concepts that we talk about in therapy a lot is that of boundaries and you also mentioned self-love i think you hit on a very pivotal point when you said you were good at this self-love journey physically right mm-hmm. getting the nails done getting the hair done making sure you look and feel good about your outward appearance but you didn't take prior to this experience you were not cognizant of how much work needed to be done from the inside right how many emotional boundaries you had to put in place mental boundaries you had to put in place to say mm, i don't know that don't make me feel nice i'm not staying here right. i don't like the way you said that i'm not you can't talk to me that way and so when we look at abuse we don't realize that healing and getting to a place of wholeness requires the setting of boundaries okay. it requires having that introspective look to say i may not i i didn't cause abuse to happen but i do get to control if it continues right i yeah. do get to say if it happens to me again i do get to say you know what i'm aware of these signs and symptoms I don't like it. I don't want it. But a lot of people don't realize they harness that power. So I think that that was just beautiful that you were able to talk about how this experience, you were able to come out with a greater sense of self-awareness and power. Yeah. 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 And I have kids, you know, Mm -hmm. I've just recently become a grandmother. (laughs) Come on, grandma. Yeah, I'm looking right. Yeah, she's a young grandma. She wanted them new grandies. <laughs> um, <laughs> knees still good. Knees still good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, I have a son. He he will be 18 uh, next week. Um, he just had a son. You know, I have nice. a daughter. She was the product that came from that abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that made me say, "Okay, this is it." enough is enough because mm-hmm. now I have a child, a daughter who is going to be looking for me. Not that my son wasn't looking for me to be an example, but you know, sons have their fathers, you know, for yeah. certain situations and daughters mm-hmm. need their mothers for certain situations. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I never wanted her to be subjected to his emotional abuse mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So, I said that to say, because I have eyes watching me, you know, my life is not my own, you know, Mm -hmm. it it Mm -hmm. isn't, you know, and I have to make sure that I'm being that example for those who are watching me. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? I, it, it brings tears to my eyes when, if I think about my daughter going through what I went through, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I would never want her to experience a, a love like that because that isn't love right. you know mm-hmm. i'm sorry so no, you're good. that's one of the biggest reasons why you know i had to change because i have children who are looking up to me to be an example mm-hmm. you know they not only do they deserve it but i deserve it too i deserve to be loved the way that i'm supposed to be loved in a healthy way you know mm-hmm. so in our previous episode, one of our previous episodes, we talked about how sometimes change is not something that we want to do, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. change is made possible by a certain experience or situation. And it sounds like in having your daughter, you were forced into this change. You were forced mm-hmm. to do something different because if you didn't, 
the the propensity for her life to be shaped or impacted negatively was great. And you couldn't, in your right mind, set your daughter up for that type of lifestyle, set her up to think that this was okay. Now, I guess this, in that same vein, how difficult was it to break away from this relationship? It's still hard. Mm. Before this relationship, I was so bubbly. I was such a people person. Now I'm isolated, you know. Um, I deal with social anxiety. Um, It was really hard because for whatever reason, I felt like I needed him, Mm. but I didn't, you know. Mm. Um, In leaving him, On top of healing from that, I dealt with postpartum and I dealt with PTSD. It was hard. I'm just now, I left him when my daughter was eight months old and she's three now. And I'm just now getting back to feeling some sense of normalcy, but it's difficult. Every day I wake up, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a journey man it's minute by minute day by day you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's so worth it right you know anytime that i reflect on what i went through the difficulty in healing is so hurtful but it's so beautiful because i got my power back you know Mm -hmm. and that that pain that I went through healing was so much better than the pain that I was going through being abused, you know. But it was it was really difficult. It's it's still a journey. Like I will probably be in therapy for the rest of <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> Not just with that, but just with everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to give that situation so much power, but it shifted me. It shifted mm-hmm. my view of people. It shifted my view of myself you know it like you said it made me so aware of just relationships and giving my energy to people and setting those boundaries you know it was difficult some days i didn't want to get out of bed and i had to feed my child i had to take care of her and work on top of healing but you know it is gotten easier I will say. Mm. I'm sorry for crying. I wanted to just thank you for being vulnerable with us in this moment. Right. Um, this is definitely a hard, hard topic to talk about, especially while you're still doing the healing work. So thank mm. you, Yaja, for just being vulnerable with us, with our audience, um, and the populations that we speak to. Abuse is... I wish I could just say, you touched on it a little bit, but I wish I could say that abuse is, it only affects that incident or that situation. But once a person has been exposed to abuse, it permeates and infects the person's being, right? You talked about going through a depressive state and how you didn't want to get out of bed, how interacting with everyone else changed. So that social anxiety, this overwhelming fear that it'll happen again, right? You doubt it. 
who you are and you, you lost your sense of self-awareness and knowing who Aja was. So many people, I think, need to hear that and see the raw emotion that in healing, there can still be pain, mm-hmm. right? Healing is not the absence of pain. Healing is not the absence of that that process of self-doubt and depression. These things can coexist. You can be on a healing journey and still feel depressed. You yeah. can be on a healing journey and still be disappointed and confused and, you know, shocked. It sounds like yeah. there was a period where you were just in shock that this actually happened. Like, I not just to you, but in general, like a person could do this. Like, I would yeah. never fathom somebody doing this magnitude of hurt to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's powerful just to see how those feelings and emotions live in the same space because you don't yeah. always hear it that way. You see people once they get out, oh, they're happy and they're go lucky and, you know, life is back to normal. But oftentimes that's not that's not the story for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And also, I don't know if this was, I kind of glanced over the question. So I'm not, I wanted to be like as authentic with my answers as possible. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if this is one of the questions. But something I realized in therapy is that on this roller coaster that I was on, I actually in turn emotionally abused the people around me. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they were on that up and down roller coaster too. They were mm-hmm. wanting me to leave. I would say I would leave, but I didn't leave. And they're worried about me. It was like they went through it too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we should recognize too is you kind of put your 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 support system in that same journey with you. And we should be mindful of that too. Because mm-hmm. their emotions matter because they love you and they care about you, you know. Right. Um, yeah, like it, it it truly shifted my friendships. But I'm so glad that I feel like I'm blessed and lucky because a lot of people don't have the ending that I have. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the support system that I have. You know, it was nothing for me to tell my mama and my aunt what, what was going on. And when I say I packed up an apartment in a matter of a week and left, you know, everybody doesn't have that, um, doesn't have, have that, I guess that support system. So, um, I just, I think we should be very, very aware of, you know, how it makes people feel around us. No one wants to know that their loved one is going through something and they know they can help them, but they, they can't help them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Aja, I want to thank you again. I know Unique said it before, but um, bearing your soul with us and being vulnerable and, and, and really being authentic, uh, that speaks a lot. And I know the viewers, they need to hear that. They need to hear that someone mm-hmm. has overcome, you know, especially that testimony. That's how we overcome uh, by the word of our testimony. And and right That's now uh, you're you're resilient and you're giving uh, other people all right, that spirit of resilience. There's people listening to this that need to hear that um, sure. because what you were just speaking about, that vicarious trauma that your your family members suffered with. And then like you're saying, hey, 
I, I, I'm in a mental state where I'm lashing out on them because they're expecting me to leave and I don't know if I can leave. That place right there that somebody's in that place right now that's listening to this. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they needed to hear that, that while they're going through this, um, not to give up. And their family, if they do have the same type of family support you have, um, or if they have some friends that are supportive like that, for the friends not to get disappointed with them and don't give up on your friends. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I'm so glad you had that. Um, grace be to God. Uh, one of the things that when you mentioned going through that transition and how hard it was, there's grief and there's loss. Um, oh, yeah. That are associated with broken relationships. People throw it out the window. Well, that person was bad. You know, mm -hmm. we always equate something with good or bad. Well, right. no, I mean, that's a part of my life. That that was yeah. I, the life with somebody, and then they they betrayed my trust. You know, I I put in all this effort, mm -hmm. and, and then the relationship is gone. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, you had to pack up in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Several losses. Hurts. Walk People up in a relationship. The loss of the loss of her living. You know, so many yes. things of that loss. Man, hmm. well, because he was so manipulative. For me, I grieved. I grieved a couple of things. I grieved the person who I thought I was in love with. Mm -hmm. Right. He doesn't even exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like how does that happen? <laughs> And then I grieve the fact that I've created another statistic because my daughter doesn't have her father. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I grew up without my father, which thank wow. God that we're reunited now. You know, we have a relationship now, but she doesn't have her father and little girls need their dads. You know what I'm saying? Right. There were things that I went through as a younger a younger woman or a young girl that I needed my dad in, which I feel like because I didn't get that validation, it did put me in some not fortunate situations, you know, with guys. And so now I grieve the fact that now I'm a sole provider of a young girl who doesn't have a father, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of twofold for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So earlier you, you touched on something that I think is very important. Um, you talked about you talked about your kids and you talked about your daughter and recognizing that you saw that you didn't want her to be in this type of situation or for her to think that it was OK. I think that for a lot of people, um, we don't really think of who's watching us. You know, because for a lot of things, like people do what they see, people do what they mm -hmm. experienced. And so when I grew up seeing this, I grew up thinking that this is OK. I grew up thinking mm -hmm. that, you know, this type of situation or being treated some kind of way is all right, because it's what I've seen. It's familiar. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, I remember. I remember watching an episode of Love and Hip Hop uh, Atlanta. And Erica brought that up to Scrappy. And you could see like it hit him different. When she said, how how would you feel if somebody was doing our daughter like this? And you could see, mm. it, see it in his face like it hit him. You know, because if he don't love nobody else, he'd love, he loves his daughter. Exactly. So you could see it hit him like, oh, snap. I never thought about it like that before. <laughs> and 
for me, I always love to watch little kids, you know, because you see, you see in the kids, you see their parents. So like mm-hmm. my niece, I, I see my, I see my sister and my niece and my sister, me and my sister will talk about things that she does. And I'm like, bro, you used to do that when we were kids, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> kids are a reflection yeah. of who you are as, 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 parents, as, as the people that raised them. And, you know, like going through a traumatic situation, such as being in, a, in an abusive or a violent relationship, you know, understanding that you're, you know, like you said, your family went through that with you, you know, mm-hmm. and your daughter was seeing that. And, you know, and that was something that, you know, like I said, it was, it was, you know, I'm thankful that you made it out to the other side and you were able to remove yourself from the situation because for her growing up and seeing that, if she, if, you know, if it was something that she saw, you know, it could be one of those situations where she thinks it's okay. Like he don't love me if he's not doing this to me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If he's not, if he's not arguing with me, he's not doing whatever, you know, that he don't love me. And for me, even now, like as an adult, I can say that like, I'm one of those people, like I don't yell. And there've been times where I'm sitting there looking at somebody and that's the first thing, like, I'm not even paying attention to what they say. And I'm just like, why are you yelling? Because for me, that like, I'm, right. you know, that's just unnecessary. And, you know, because my parents never did that. I don't argue mm-hmm. because I never saw my parents argue in front of me and my sister. I don't yell because I never saw my parents do it. And so mm-hmm. for me, like with situations like with abuse and, and violence, you know, children do those things because, again, I saw it. I saw mm-hmm. it. It's yeah. We've talked about that on, on, on here several times about normalization of behavior. You know, mm-hmm. certain patterns of behavior become normal for our children because they're watching us do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It got to the point to where me and him would argue and she would be sleeping. Like we are like arguing at the top of our lungs and she's just, oh, this is just what mom and dad do. I was like, oh no, that new, new, new. Speaking of the arguing, um, and I don't know if you guys covered it already, but what were the types of abuse that you were exposed to if it's not too sensitive for you to bring up? Um, it was more so he was very manipulative. It was very, uh, emotional. Well, you don't love me if you do this or, um, he would, he would speak lies to me, things that I know that weren't true, but for whatever reason, like, they would it was so emo, it was so emotionally manipulative mm-hmm. for him he was an attention whore he loved women you know mm-hmm. and he would say things to get a rise out of me to create an argument because that's what fueled him mm-hmm. you know yeah it was it was it was crazy and then sometimes it was physical you know mm-hmm. um he threatened to run me this is when i was pregnant he he threatened to run us in traffic and kill us wow um there was another incident where he hit me with a door Mm -hmm. um and my arm was really bruised real bad my leg was really bruised real bad um I'll never forget. I was about five months pregnant. Um, he he was an alcoholic, mm. 
And so whenever he would get drunk, he would get just belligerent. We fought while I was five months pregnant. He wished death on my child. Mm. You know, I hope she dies. She ain't mine no way. And it was it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, he's hit me in the in the face with a with a it was plastic, but it was still a bottle of gin. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an assault no matter if it, was, if it hurt you or not it, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a lot you know he's cursed me out called me out of my name it, it was it was a lot wow yeah um i think what would if you had to pinpoint a, a moment what was the defining factor that said you know what besides just your daughter when you were like nah, I'm committed to, I'm out. What was that turning point for you? Um, so my daughter was born in January of 2020. So about maybe June or July, he ended up moving out of our apartment. And he would do this thing where he would just discard me. He would just act as if I never existed. And in mm -hmm. those moments, God was showing me that he was giving me strength then. And when mm -hmm. I thought I needed him, I really didn't. And that's that's when God was really doing his work in me. So when he mm -hmm. would come back and I would and at that point, I was still I was in therapy at that time. Mm -hmm. But um, I could recognize certain things that he would do on purpose. And because I knew that he would be manipulative, I stopped feeding that ego, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I just got to the point to where I ain't like him no more, you know. I, I just, I just got to the point to where I was like, you know, but you know what, how about, because we want two separate things, you know, I want a family. I want someone who's just going to be with me. You love women. How about you go and be in that type of relationship? This is the type of society we live in now. You, right. There's a plethora of things that you could get away with, you know, yeah, yeah. so I mean, there, you find something that works that. for you. I find something that works for me and let's come to a common ground to take care of our child, you mm -hmm. know, and that's when the manipulation will start again. But by that time, if he wasn't showing me the actions behind those words, I wasn't taking it seriously, mm -hmm. you know? So from maybe June to I left in October, our last incident was that September. So from maybe June to September, I just, I, I just, I just stopped liking him with the help of therapy. I was just like, you know what? I deserve better, you know? Mm -hmm. And the, the last incident we had, um, he charged at me like he was going to hit me. Uh, it was, it was so crazy. He was, he was mad because I set a boundary and I told him you are not allowed in my house if you have been drinking i don't mm. care if you was drinking earlier that day if you consumed alcohol you cannot come over to my house and be with our daughter and have her experiencing you inebriated mm -hmm. and he didn't like that i took my power back mm -hmm. and so he lashed out you know yeah um i tried to get another restraining order at that time but it was even a blessing in that getting denied, you know, 
that gave me, I had nothing holding me to Florida. Yep. You know, he didn't really, I feel like he didn't really care about our, well, my daughter, because he, he didn't sign her birth certificate. Oh, wow. Nothing is holding me here, sir. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to leave and I'm yeah. going to, I know it's going to be hard, but I just did, <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I took, I saw the opportunity and I seized it. Yeah. It sounds like you started to see you again. Mm-hmm. Right. For in that during that time frame, you had this vision of what your life was supposed to be together and you'd envisioned this together, this family unit. Um, but once you kind of came to your senses and said, you know what, this is a dream of mine. This is not a shared vision. This is not a shared dream. And mm-hmm. you were able to reframe and reconceptualize and say, no, I still deserve that. Right? Mm-hmm. I still deserve that family unit. I still deserve for my needs to be met, and you were able to separate you from the relationship and mm-hmm. were able ultimately to see him for who he truly was. Oh, yeah. To see what you meant to him. So that's yeah. powerful in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to learn, I had to stop projecting how I felt on him. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm such a loving person. Wait a minute, wait a minute. say that one more time. Yeah, see, yeah bring that back. Look, in one of our last episodes, we were talking about that, how sometimes with pain, it's easy and it's comfortable to be like, no, they did this to me. I, I get the lash out, but say that again. You had to do what? I had to stop projecting myself mm-hmm. onto him. Sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm such a loving person, in return, I'm like, well, deep down, he really does love me. No, he don't. No, no. Just like he could, he was projecting his insecurities and fears and, and just ugliness onto me and making me feel like I was doing the same thing. And that's part of probably one of the reasons why I stayed. Because in my mind, because I feel like I'm somewhat emotionally healthy. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm a loving person. That just comes natural to me. It doesn't, I can't fathom someone not being loving and concerned Mm -hmm. and empathetic and like, Mm -hmm. and I was projecting that onto him, but that's not who he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's heavy. So, so you, you touched on, on two things. Um, One, you know, expecting you from other people. Mm-hmm. That is a common mm-hmm. that, that is a common thing that a lot of us do. We tend to yeah. expect us from other people because I would mm-hmm. do this, they should do this because I would be disappointed. Them. You know they're loving and caring, mm-hmm. you know, they, or they should be loving and caring because I'm willing to give everything of myself. They should be willing to give everything of themselves, and not everyone is going to to love you the way that you would love them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then the second thing was sometimes for a lot of us, we tend to be in love with, with the person's potential mm. instead of where they currently are. Like we're looking at, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, like, you know, like for me, I'm an artist. I like to make stuff with my hands, you know, taking the lump of clay, you know, some of us look past the lump of clay and can see the finished product. Like once you yeah. mm-hmm. mold it, and put it in the kiln, we see yeah. the finished product that's what we're in love with rather than the the lump of clay. And yeah. so mm-hmm. for him being the lump of clay, you loved him for the finished product, the, 
mm-hmm. boss, the the yeah. hug, whatever whatever it was supposed to be. That's what you love. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for a lot of us, we tend to do that. We we tend to tend to love for the potential instead of what's right here in front of us. But the difference between the lump of clay and a person is that, excuse me, you can you have control over the medium. Mm-hmm. As an artist, you have control over the paint, you have yeah. control over the brushstroke. With a person, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not the conduit of their change. That yep. they're strictly the only person who can decide if they want to change. That's between them and God. Mm-hmm. And so when we step in the role of God and we decide uh-huh. to be yeah. the change conduit, then mm-hmm. we get ourselves into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. We have to release and realize the only person that I am 100% control over is me. Is me. And yeah. I was saying that when she had to like, you know, it was me. I was putting like my goodness onto him. And he right. won, he didn't deserve it, clearly. Right. Right. He deserved right. none of that. She was giving him more and putting him on a pedestal that he could not put even two toes on. Yeah. But we do that, and sometimes we get in the way of God being able to bless or remove things that aren't not to be there because we're like, no, God, I got it. God, yeah. listen, listen, God, listen, listen, listen. Big Father God, sir, just let him stay, let him stay. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even like that person for you. <laughs> we gotta remember to allow, you know, people be honest and say a person is going to be or do whatever it is that they want to be or do. Yes. And it is not my job to fix, to change, to realign, to teach, uh-huh. um, or, or sorry, to make them learn. Because we can teach whomever, but I can't mm-hmm. make them learn. Right. That right. that's the work that's of that it. person. So when we learn. Like I say, to mind my business, we're so much better off for it. Mm-hmm. If it's not your business, leave it there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Aja, I'm I'm really uh, whoever your therapist is, right? Listen, <laughs> because you are doing some wonderful work, mm-hmm. and it's showing. Uh, when we're doing this interview, just your your introspection and some of your um, just uh, a lot of people don't have that type of insight that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can tell that you're changing um, something you said earlier. You said you were a naturally like bubbly person. And I can see that in you. I can see it. And so that means it's coming back. And you're not letting those circumstances or those past circumstances dictate who you are. And the child of God is coming out and you're shining. So I'm I'm, I'm very glad to be a part of this today that I get to see that. So, um, you know, this is a mental health podcast. People <laughs> go get therapists. She yeah. didn't do a lot. She went and she took action. So well, I don't yep. want to stay in this place. I don't want to always be in this level of hurt. Somebody help me get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and for our people, and, and I don't want to make this, this is for all people. I just want to make this color things for everybody, you know, but the issue with a lot of African-Americans um, who've been through this level of trauma, they've had it going. It's It's been something that's been passed down. We talked about generational curses um, with, with myself, RJ Unique. We talked about this. Uh-huh. This is a way you can help break some of these chains. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, why, why would we not want to do this as a people? Why would we be mm-hmm. so afraid of, because of, of, I know I grew up and my mother always said, don't tell nobody nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, if you go out this house and tell them people what happened, you know, my mom, she was just doing what she was taught, right? She was, right. Doing what she was taught, 
You know what I mean? And, and the thing about it is, though, when it comes to my mental health, when it comes to things that uh, are going on in my life that affected me like this, affected me, my kids, my, my, my livelihood, everything, I need to be able to talk to someone about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I want to give a shout out to your therapist. I agree. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, we've been taught that, oh, just pray about it. Right. You yeah. know, just pray about it. And I tell my mama all the time, I can pray, but God gave wisdom to these doctors yeah. to help us with stuff. He can't come down that he ain't going to come down to help us with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So between prayer and therapy is how I've been making it. Through. Amen. Yeah. Um, you, I, I think my takeaway could also be you're only as strong as your support or you're only as successful yeah. as your support. Right. Yeah. I tell my clients all the time. Oftentimes we go to the wrong place looking for the wrong item. Mm. You cannot mm -hmm. go into a hardware store looking for an apple. Yeah. They can tell me how to grow one. They might have the seeds there. I'm never gonna pick a good apple. I can never say, you know what? What do you think about this red delicious? Do you think it's that peak, you know, right? Advice? Never. It doesn't right. mean it doesn't mean that the advice given there is bad advice. It's just the wrong source. There yep. will be things that will happen in your life that your family is not equipped to support you in. It does yeah. not mean that they're not good for you. Right. It does not mean that their advice is not sage and wise wisdom. However, your success is only as good as your support. There will be times that you will need more support. Unless right. you are equipped as a midwife, um, you watched a baby be born before, you might not know how to deliver a baby. So you might want somebody who has. Yeah. If you break your arm, I don't care how good of a mother you are. My mom was not fixing a broken arm. Okay. <laughs> her fair share of broken bones with my brothers and herself. But my, my baby girl is not equipped to wrap a cast mm -hmm. or, or to mend a broken bone. So she yeah. has had to get a doctor, had to get a physical therapist. But when it yeah. comes to the mind, oftentimes people will neglect it because you can't see it. You can only feel the effects of it. What they don't understand is the, the issues are far more reaching if not corrected if not addressed, if not processed through. Yeah. And so if you want to be successful mentally, emotionally, um, and ultimately physically, surround yourself with supports who are not just limited to what you know. Mm -hmm. Go outside of that scope and say, I'm going to reach out to the therapist. I'm going to join the support group, right? right. I want to be right. around people who have been where I am, who've been successful, who've seen the other side, I need to talk to those people. Mm -hmm. Join um, a mentorship, get a life coach. And I, I'm suggesting different options because people say, well, I can't afford a therapist. Mm -hmm. Support groups are free. Right. Um, yeah. You have coaches in your local churches and community centers, and their rates are a lot more discounted. But just staying within a certain network is not an excuse not to have the success that you need. It is an excuse to remain in that painful state. Don't get caught up in the option of remaining in the painful state because you're too afraid to tap into something that looks different from what you've always known. It was what you always known that could keep you in that at that painful situation, mm -hmm. right? in that painful state, keep you bonded. 
It's not just that, well, I know this guy. I'ma just stay here because I know him. She didn't know what the end was going to be. She didn't know what leaving him was going to look like. But Mm -hmm. she said, I can't stay here because it's something greater pulling me. I don't know what's over there, but I'm going to trust that that is better, it's greater for me than staying here. Don't be afraid to go beyond what you know. It's definitely been a faith walk. And, you know, God has really proven himself. When I say he has taken care of me, Mm -hmm. he has truly taken care of me. Mm -hmm. I just will be here all day with me explaining how. But anyone who is in that situation, there are resources. You just have to look for them. If you want to get out, you can. If you mm-hmm. want to change your life, you can. We mm-hmm. can do anything we put our minds to. Mm-hmm. Anything. That's, right. that's just that's not for just little kids. That's right. for us right. grown people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the rest of your life. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. So to go back to something that you said earlier, um, about setting boundaries. I mean, that's something that we've talked about on here mm-hmm. is uh protecting your meat. You know, your money, your energy, your attention and time. I think that like mm-hmm. once you set those boundaries, like you said, you teach people how to treat you. You know, you mm-hmm. teach who you're coming from and you, you know, and I think that and I've had this conversation with some of my clients before. Um, some boundaries are gonna be like hard and fast, like concrete. Other mm-hmm. boundaries are gonna be flexible, you know, where you can kind of depending on what it is, depending on what's going on, you can be a little bit flexible about that. And I think that you know, by having those boundaries and being able to take that time to learn you, because everyone's boundaries is going to be different. You know, oh, yeah. the only way you can know what your boundaries are is taking that time to learn you and putting yeah. yourself first in some some instances. Mm-hmm. And learning your value. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Knowing what your value is. Um, I think that that is definitely something that um, that for a lot of people, you know, hearing that from you, like, hey, I set those boundaries, not just in relationships in regards to this is my boyfriend or whoever but my friendships my families because when you mm-hmm. recognize this relationship was bad you started to recognize that other relationships probably weren't the best too and i mean it makes you mm-hmm. take a, a a step back and, and a look at, at everything that's going on around you um and mm-hmm. then the, the other thing was that uh like you talked about how you know you know god helped get you through this mm-hmm. you know and 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 I've heard people say that, you know, like a lot of times what happens is God will move people from your life because he saw things that you didn't see. He heard things you didn't hear. And he and he did things because you, he knew that you did wouldn't have the strength to do them on your own. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of times like when you hear things, you don't necessarily understand how it's applicable. But I think that a lot of times, like like in your situation, like this is one of those situations that was applicable. Like you said that, you know, at, at a certain point, you just didn't even like it no more. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, that, you know, for, for, for some of us, we tend to hold on to relationships longer than we're supposed to. Like God's giving you all the signs like, mm-hmm. hey, it's time to let this yeah. go. It's time to let right. this go. Yeah. And we'll yeah. hold on for dear life because, you know, like for whatever reason, we just got to hold on to this person well, or these fear, things. That fear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, in that moment, you know, God gave you the opportunity, you know, to kind of, you know, cut, you know, cut that off because, you know, hey, he started revealing certain things and you were willing to receive what he was telling you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, 
you know, I think that's a blessing in and of itself. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. um, we have to learn when we do set those boundaries, we have to be careful to bend them Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be so desperate in that thing that we desire to where it we we bend the rules that's something like i had when i met him i had so many boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was so like i think it was a challenge for him because Mm -hmm. i had been in therapy you know i um at like at the time i moved to florida i had a good job paying my bills oh i'm on this self-love journey i'm moving (laughs) away you know what i'm saying to set these boundaries and i think it was a challenge for him Mm. and we have to be careful because one you could end up in a situation to where it could it could be life or death you know when it comes to those boundaries and you just because you're worth the fight you're worth that boundary just because a person does not see your value doesn't mean that you're not valuable. Right. It's okay for um it's okay for you to be patient enough to wait for someone else who's right. going to see your value and respect your boundaries. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So we we can't be so so desperate that we want love so much that we just accept anything. Yeah. Right. You know, I finally got into a place to where I am okay if I am never in another relationship. I am perfectly happy being single because I know that what I'm worth. You know what I'm saying? And I know that when I do get into another relationship, it's going to be healthy. Yeah. It's right. going to be healthy. I deserve that. Well, it's well, not like you're working on being healthy for you, right? Oh, the yeah. first relationship we have with anybody is the one we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so before we can look to get into another relationship, forge another path, you got to mm-hmm. be sure that this one is okay. And it sounds like you're putting in the hard work to make sure that you're, you're most important and your first relationship with yourself is one that is filled with love, gentleness, respect clear boundaries, high values, and um, full of love. Mm-hmm. Right. Aja, what I heard you say is um, a lot of people don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's difficult to think about being alone like long term or, or, or am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? But when we talk about self-worth and I hear you talking, but also I hear that uh, this is something you've worked on a lot of people haven't done that. Um, mm-hmm. I got to take a lot of times I got to take the clinical hat on when I'm talking to people. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, because, you know, you get caught in this. And I, I tell people all the time, a lot of people I meet, you know, just in friendship relationships, they don't want to be alone. That's yeah. they're scared of being alone, which is yeah. crazy with all these people on this planet Earth <laughs> that God has made. Right. People actually have that fear. That's a fear, a valid fear. Sometimes, I guess, if you're, you know, 70 years old or something like that, you know, I could see maybe that playing a part, a role in accepting certain behavior. But like you're saying, I got these boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have to be by myself if this person doesn't respect that. Yeah, and and, and that shows. 
I right. used to be I used to be that person who I would have so many people always at my house, always doing something, always but mm-hmm. Because I was never alone, I could never tap into what's going on. Why am I the way that I am? Mm -hmm. I never had a chance to deal with my childhood trauma on top of just life happening. And just, I didn't even know who Aja was for a long time. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting to know her and I love her. And Mm -hmm. ain't nobody finna just mistreat her. So, (laughs) yeah. Because these jewels that are being dropped right now, somebody's picking this up because there's somebody out there that's so uncomfortable being by themselves. They always got to have somebody around them. And like you said, they don't know why. They haven't understood why I can't be alone with myself. Mm-hmm. And that's that has to do with self-love a lot of times. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and thank you for um, uh, really getting into some of that. A lot of people don't know it's related to childhood. Uh, I'm not Freud by any mean. I don't even care about no Freud. I'm a social worker. I'm about real hard interventions. You know what I'm saying? I ain't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm talking to psychologists. You're not gonna come for us over here, okay? Yeah, you're gonna own do all. Yeah, I don't do all that. No, no, no. I'm not knocking my partners. No, no. They know I love them dearly. But the issue is, I don't do all that because yes. Obviously, a lot of stuff comes from childhood, but we're adults. We got to uh-huh. deal with it. We got to deal with it. You know, yeah, this is stuff I want to deal with so I can get past that. Um, I, I don't want to be stuck somewhere in the past. I want to be right here in the present. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? I, I need to deal with this. And when you said that, a lot of people don't understand why they're scared of being alone. And that makes them uh, feel a certain way, very insecure, uncomfortable. Thank you for addressing that for our population out there who are listening. Absolutely. Well, our theorists, the ones who make our field what it is, Khalil, <laughs> they would fight you on that. And it's not not because we, we want to teach people to forsake the present, right? But who we are is tied to those who made us. And right. when you understand all of that, then you could get into the nitty gritties of being present and practicing mindfulness and setting up those good boundaries. And so it's, and it doesn't have to take a lifetime, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a life work to know someone else and Mm -hmm. same with you, but that to start that process, sometimes it takes the process of just setting the boundary, right? Mm -hmm. Not having to have all the answers. Nope. I'm setting it based off of the day. I don't like it today. I don't care why I like Mm -hmm. it yesterday. I don't like it today. Yeah, it ain't working for me today. And so sometimes when you throw those action steps in, those action steps help unearth the need to say, wow, now why why did I? Why was I doing that for so long? And it helps you to answer those hard questions of why do I always have to have the people around? Why did I get into this relationship? Um, Mm -hmm. Where did I learn this from? When did this become okay? Mm -hmm. And your childhood usually is the answer to those deep, hard questions. And so whether you like it or not, you're going to have to go back to your mommy and daddy issues. Well, look, it's not that I didn't say, uh, remember, that's why I said I brought it up because I'm not going to talk about it. Y'all be liking it until I'm coming for y'all feel. Y'all be liking it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not one that goes into all that childhood, but it technically you have to sometimes in order to get grounded. 
come back. And, and so that's all. You were correct, Unique. But that's why I said it. But I'm I'm not about that Freud, Aja. I'm about, I'm about, I'm about real hard interventions like the stuff that you're talking about. Setting boundaries. Social worker going to tell you, set these boundaries. And so you, you're talking about stuff that I feel. Because yeah. once you do that, you'll start noticing your environment change. When I set them boundaries, the people who really love me going to be okay with it. The ones who's just fair weather friends and fans, they're going to be out the door. <laughs> Absolutely. And also that has been helping me is my core group is in therapy. Mm-hmm. We practice boundaries. You know, we make sure good. that we're not doing things to make each other uncomfortable. And it yep. may seem normal for me to whatever. It could be something as simple as I don't know, popping popcorn. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you pop mm-hmm. that popcorn, it make me feel sick. I don't want you to do that around me. Like, I have to respect okay. that boundary. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it is very important to to make sure that your support group, that you guys are kind of all on the same page, you know? Yeah, it, right. it doesn't help you mentally or emotionally, spiritually, to be the only person trying to better yourself. If yeah. you have people who are not trying to following that same in that same um path so yeah I, i've been pretty pretty blessed man that's i've awesome. been pretty blessed that's awesome i want to say that this is not aja i wish she was a unicorn but she's not this what she's talking about is possible mm-hmm. for many you yeah. just have to have the the difference is the courage to reach out for it and she had the courage to do something different. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't gifted some special ability to seek out help, some special ability to say, I want more. Um, This was innate in all of us, right? The special thing was that she did something about it. That's what makes her story different. Um, That's what makes it a testimony and not something that her family talks about as a loss of a loved one. That's what made her story different. So if you are in a situation, you know someone who's in a situation, instead of telling them to just get out, remind them Mm -hmm. of the courage, to have courage. Mm -hmm. You, when you're ready, I am here. How can Mm -hmm. I support you? I know this is tough. I know this is there, but you can do it. You're courageous. Mm -hmm. You're a fighter. You are precious. And, and watch that person light up and develop and get to a place where Aja is and they're able to see what happened and see that progression and also able to see their healing. Yep. Absolutely. I thank y'all for letting me come to your platform and share my story. Oh, it's been <laughs> a blessing us. We appreciate it. And for those who don't know the statistics, um, all women uh, across the United States, um, it's basically at 30% will experience some form of domestic violence or or family violence uh, in their lives. And it's a tad bit higher for African-Americans, if you check the statistics, close to 40% of African-American women will experience some sort of uh, uh, partner or domestic violence in the home. So this is real. It, It does affect a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to end the conversation here. Uh, this is Try Not to Think It signing out. I'm RJ. I'm Unique. And I'm Khalil. And we will catch you in the next episode. If you like what you if you like what you heard and saw, 
uh, stop by the YouTube channel. We can be found on YouTube as Try Not to Overthink It. Um, we drop content weekly, so if you stop by, uh, please like, share, subscribe, turn your notifications on because you don't want to miss any of the conversations that we have. If you would prefer to listen to us, we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much everywhere that you can find an audio file, we can be located. Um, but again, you know, if you just listen to us, you miss out on the faces, you miss out on the antics. So, you know, we're pretty good looking people so missing out. So Absolutely. Um, we'll catch you in the next I'll episode. Fashion sense. Yeah, and our fashion sense too. You know, Unique is the most fashionable of us. Yes, she is. She is. Yeah, she she be looking great. So we will catch you in the next episode. Later. Peace. Thank you.